Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today we get a view of our presidential election from journalists from Ukraine and Georgia and from a journalism professor here in the United States. We're going to talk about media independence and bias, how Mr. Trump, Secretary Clinton are viewed in Eastern Europe, how the debate about Russian President Vladimir Putin is playing in Georgia and Ukraine and elsewhere. And we'll ask our panel about vote rigging and the integrity of elections. So if you would say your name and position. Okay, I am Katerina Serenyong-Dolgaryova. I'm from Ukraine. I'm assistant professor in the Parisian National University, uh, which is a big university in the eastern Ukraine. And I'm here on the university administration support program at a research office in USU as a fellow of IREX-sponsored program. Okay, great. And Elada, tell your name and brief introduction. Okay, I am Elada Gamrik-Lidze. I am a postdoc uh, scholar here at Utah State University, uh, the Department of Journalism and Communication. I am originally from Georgia, the country, and I've been in the United States since 2011. I got my doctorate at Louisiana State University, worked there for a year, and then came here. Kim Hickson, maybe to to have uniformity, uh, have you introduce yourself, uh, your name and, and your position? And All right. Well, I'm, I'm Kim you. Hickson. Uh, I'm the uh, department head of uh, journalism and communication here at uh, Utah State. Uh, I've been here for a few months. Uh, before that, I was at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater, and uh, also in Wisconsin, I served in the uh, Wisconsin State Legislature for two terms. All right. We want to talk a bit about journalism and, and politics. Uh, our presidential election will enter in, I'm sure, as, as, we, uh, as we go along. Uh, just a couple of uh, things that people might be interested in, our, our listeners. Um, I notice, uh, Elada, you, you, you take care to say Georgia, the country of Georgia. That's because yes. of the, we have a state of Georgia here. Yes, exactly. And since I've been around quite a bit, there are places where they have no idea about the existence of the country, so I have it's it became a habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia not so well known in in the U- the U.S. Uh, no, uh, not in parts of U.S. at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, Katerina, I'm always confused. You can clear it, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Ukraine, the Ukraine. I say Ukraine because not it's not a part of a bigger, you know, entity. It is an independent country, so we tend to say Ukraine. Right. And it, I think this becomes kind of a political thing, right? If you put yes. the in front of it, maybe means, maybe you're Russian or I don't, you know, whatever. If you put the in front of it, that means this is that part of something bigger, which is not. It's just a country. Right. So we call it just Ukraine. Right. Uh, before we uh, go to Georgia, I want to uh, have uh, Kim jump in here and talk a little bit about uh, how these, how Ukraine and Russia are covered in the U- U.S. media, especially in, in with regard to the presidential campaign. This is this has come up. Uh, Mr. Trump has been seen as pro-Russian. Uh, in an interview, he famously didn't didn't know, didn't acknowledge that uh, Russia had essentially invaded Ukraine. Um, yes, he has uh, said that, and uh, of course there there have been. Uh, uh, coverage in the media of this uh, so-called relationship uh, between Donald Trump and uh, Vladimir Putin. And also, of course, there are questions about does does Trump have investments in Russia? So I think the 
the idea is that there would be some sort of favoritism uh, toward Russia from uh, Donald Trump. But as far as the, uh, the conflict uh, is, is concerned, I think uh, just like about everything else, it's been moved to the, to the back pages right now, if, if covered at all, because of our uh, unique uh, presidential election mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Uh, did you? This would be a good time to, for you to, to weigh in on how you think the coverage has gone. There's there's been a tug of war, right, in uh, among media members themselves. So we're we're not being tough enough on Trump, or we're being too tough, or we're not covering Hillary Clinton enough. You know, it's just interesting. I heard this uh, this morning that a uh, a CBS executive had uh, said that uh, perhaps we're covering Trump too much, but He's very good for ratings. Mm. So uh, I, I just found that a, a, a little bit comical in a, in a way that, that we have lowered ourselves so much that it's not so much about providing information as it is just to get those those ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I, I think that, uh, you know, as time goes on and we have three more weeks uh, to the election, we, we will see just uh, – how how fair or how how biased uh, the news media uh, really is, and of course it, it's difficult to call it news media anymore. It's as much entertainment media um, as it is news. Mm. Now, both of you have experience in Ukraine and Georgia. You also have experience in this country. Let me start. I'll, I'll have Kim uh, talk about this as well, and maybe starting with a lot of how do you think the U.S. media is doing? Uh, with that ideal. Uh, we, we have worries that uh, we're being balkanized, you could say. You know, everybody chooses their own admittedly biased source, but that has not been the ideal. The ideal has been given unbiased uh, sources of, of media. Uh, so you want an uh, honest how, yeah, how, how do you think we're doing? <laughs> you want an honest answer, right? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, coincidentally, I teach Media Smarts, which is media literacy course this semester, and that's what we're talking about uh, basically in every class. Uh, and the question uh, even now is uh, what's this ideal of, of objectivity? Is this really something that works still, or it outdated itself and brought American media to the state where they are now, when you know ratings are more important? And this isn't and, and it's, it's, it's funny that you, uh, Kim, quoted um, CBS CEO on that because he is also known to say that, yes, it's bad for America and it's a horrible thing to say, but bring it on, Donald. So that, I think, sums it up pretty well for the, for the whole media mm. as a whole, for, for American media as a whole right now. And you think this is driven by the, the, the media wanting ratings? So is that the well, they the have driver? to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it is understandable from one uh, point of view. They have to survive because they're businesses, right? So they have to be able to do what they do, provide public service. But do they forget about this public service in this chase for survival? It's mm-hmm. another question. Hmm. Katarina, the same question. How How is the U.S. media doing in, in reaching the ideal which we profess? I think that... I would agree with everybody who, who talking here about recent changes, and I do see them too. And I my my opinion is that is something uh, international 
because we have so much information everywhere. The huge uh, flow of information makes it really hard to verify that information. And then uh, in old good years, you know, uh, the media outlet would have uh, correspondence everywhere. That correspondent would be uh, responsible for getting news. Now Internet opens it up, and you can just see the information that is very looking very trustful and you can take it for granted that is not the case all the time a lot of fake information especially when it is about conflict like in my country and unfortunately u.s media not always uh, you know prove the information verify the information they can take it from russian or somebody else uh media and put it in the news story and that looks very good but it not maybe a truthful information um, so this is uh, not a good thing, of course. And we, uh, you know, like I teach and my students in Ukraine, because I'm uh, on the journalism department, that you first need to be very literate in what you do, uh, very professional. And, no, you know, your journalism standards are for every, for every journalist. Nobody would say, no, don't follow this or that. You need to be professional, and uh, this is still the rule. And uh, I think that U.S. Uh, media outlets need to follow that, too. Mm. Kim, I want to ask you the same question to you. How do you think we're doing? And, and maybe filter this through interactions with students. I'm sure you talk about this with your Well, I tell you, I, th- I think that uh, Alada and, and Katerina both are, are, are very much dialed in to, uh, to what's happening in the, the United States as far as uh, media is concerned. And uh, we, we, are, we are trying to teach our students today that as journalists, they need to have these high ethical standards, that they need to have credibility. Uh, but I'm not sure that the, the, the media industry now is supporting uh, what we are trying to do. And it is, a, it is a big business. And as a lot of was saying, businesses have to survive and they have to do what they need to do. And, of course, in the media, it's getting viewers, it's getting listeners, it's getting uh, readers. And, and, you know, how do you do that? And everyone is everyone – is, fighting for our eyes and our ears and our minds in the uh, in the media. So I think we, we have a huge challenge now trying to, to teach our students. And I talk with students about this a great deal, uh, this, this whole idea of being responsible journalists. But I think that uh, once they they get out into the so-called real world, they are going to have those challenges of working for a business, and that business needs to make money. And the way that that business makes money is by providing eyes and ears and minds to advertisers. And uh, I think that a lot of times those advertisers don't really care how they get all those people, uh, they just want them. Hmm. So uh, I think it's kind of a difficult time uh, for us uh, right now, and I think that we we see that in the the presidential election uh, this year. I mean, if if you think about it, if if not for entertainment media, uh, 
we probably wouldn't even know Donald Trump except that he's a very wealthy guy. But he has really made a name for himself through the entertainment media. Mm. I want to uh, ask you about the follow-ups. What do you think Trump has done to media in in general? And I'll put this in context. Um, Trump's gotten billions of dollars in, in free media. That's when one of the his main strategies, it seems like. And for him, of course, it seems like any publicity is good publicity. We're testing the limits of that lately. Um, but he's he's increased the intensity of, you know, hijacking every news cycle, just very skilled at doing that. And you could say he's used the media. And then there's some, you know, some members of the media have said, well, because of that, through the whole primary season, now perhaps we're overreaching in, in you know, making up for that being used um but he has he has been very clever in the way he has used media i wonder what that is there are there any long-term effects do you think well you you are absolutely right uh about what you just said about uh donald trump i mean i would have to say that whether you you support his candidacy or against his candidacy or you support what he stands for or you're against it you have to admire the fact that he, he is a master promoter, and he has uh, branded uh, himself very well, this, this Trump brand. Although, as you mentioned, you know, maybe there are limits to that idea that any publicity is good publicity. But he has certainly got it. And uh, I, I think that uh, he has uh, either, it's hard to say, has he, has he lowered the bar as far as what we expect out of presidential candidates? And almost he, he's, he's almost at the same time raised the bar of what kind of outlandish type behavior and uh, things that you need to say uh, to get uh, coverage. And, and certainly in, uh, he has gotten plenty of, uh, of media coverage. And, you know, you, you wonder, well, uh, ha- has that been a good thing because more and more people know that there's this, this presidential election? More and more people are, are perhaps watching. I think the, the first debate had 89 million viewers. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the second had, uh, had less than that. And, of course, we have the, the third debate coming up. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to, to sit back two years from now no matter what the outcome of the election, and and say, has, how has this changed us? And, of course, four years from now, I think we'll have a pretty darn good indication as to how it has changed us. Hmm. I want to ask uh, how the presidential election, do you think, is playing outside of the U.S.? Where This is my characterization. The U.S. is pretty inward-looking. Uh, one example, people in the U.S., by and large, don't learn a second language, you know, to the level that uh, many people in other places of the world do. Um, it's interesting to get a, a view of this. So let me uh, start with you, Katerina, and and uh, let me frame it this way. Um, when Trump first came on the scene, I tried to find an, an, an analog. I, tr- I tried to find another figure, you know, uh, outlandish, um, publicity-seeking billionaire, and the one often cited is Silvio Berlusconi and yeah, in Italy. In Italy. Are, are there any other figures out there that you think are comparable? 
Zhirinovsky. Zhirinovsky in, in Russia, but he is not a presidential elect, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. candidate. Um, look into um, to U.S. elections. It's really interesting because um, the outcome of these elections would influence the whole world. And of course, we are monitoring the situation and see who what would what preferences of U.S. people are. And it's very interesting uh, because uh, I looked through their uh, coverage of this. Uh, uh, the whole campaign, and uh, I looked through polling people. Uh, there was a survey done uh, in Britain uh, for G20 countries for people from G20 countries, and they asked the question: If you would be, if you would vote at elections in U.S., who would you vote for, Trump or Clinton? The only country where uh, Trump got uh, the hi- highest score and beat Clinton was Russia. Twenty three percent over. So that means a lot how people, uh, you know, consume the information and what messages they look for. Uh, because in my opinion, Trump is really manipulative. He manipulates the uh, huge issues here, like immigration, uh, religion, gender issues, all uh, all that is very sensitive. And of course, people and of course, he uh, his ratings raises because of manipulating these issues. Uh, it, he doesn't go very far. He just tickled, you know, this is what I think. And this is a very hot topic. And people just take this because, yeah, I do think uh, about this issue too. But let's see what's happened next. And this is kind of a game. It seems like he's an actor, and this is, you know, the the one of the uh, U.S. movies that we are looking for. But it's very serious when you really look deep into it and what outcomes would be for the whole world and for my country, of course, mm-hmm. and for the countries where wars are around. And this is very serious, and um, I'm really amused how people react here. Maybe they don't see that far, but they should. You mean the effects, effects in, yeah. in Ukraine and other places? Yeah. And in mm-hmm. here, too, okay. in, in the, mm-hmm. all, their own country here, too. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I've heard opinions from my colleagues here that um, nothing will change. You know, economy is well established. We will have jobs and this and that. But is that really an issue? I mean, you need to take more broad view on what is going on. Mm. Let me ask you a lot of uh, mm-hmm. same question. How how is the presidential election playing in Georgia or other countries you're familiar with, and how are people seeing it? Well, it's funny because uh, we traditionally Georgia is siding more with the GOP here because we have higher hopes in more interference, and traditionally GOP is a party that hates Russia, right? Mm. And in our mind is more likely to take more decisive steps and protect these smaller countries that are geopolitically in the region of interest for Mm. the United States. So it's really a funny situation for us now because yes, we wouldn't like a Democrat in the office, but on the other hand, if Trump is really uh, siding with Putin and is going to have a really good relationship with Russia, then it's not playing out really good for us. So here's the dilemma. And and we're following really closely because, yes, whatever outcome is here, 
it matters very, very much for the rest of the world. Uh, you know that in Russia they are seriously getting ready for a nuclear war right now. That's the propaganda that is going on. They are building bunkers and they are providing training and they are instilling that mindset in the in people that it's going to be nuclear war and who's going to start it is the United States. This is the propaganda from the Russian yes, media? Yes, in the Russian. Okay. It, it's not going worldwide because that's, that, that's not what they need, but they need to um, brainwash their own people. That's what they're doing. And the thing is that Trump is portrayed as a peacemaker by Zhirinovsky. But and as, as ridiculous as that person is, he's in the government and people believe. This is the figure you both and cited as, just, as being like Trump. I just want to add, uh, they are not propagandic then and brainwash their own people. But for Ukraine, a lot of people would listen to that and see that actions. And this is increases fear mm -hmm. and concerns about the whole region, the Europe. And um, that's huge. That's huge. So we are looking to us as a, you know, the vice and uh, well-minded country which would take actions and uh, be very clear in messages to the world and to their own people. Mm. You're listening to Access U Time, Tom Williams, and uh, glad you've joined me for conversation with uh, journalists and academics from Ukraine and Georgia. We're also talking with a journalism professor here in the United States. We're talking about media independence and bias how our presidential election is viewed in Eastern Europe and elsewhere. We're going to get into talking about vote rigging and the integrity of elections. And we'll pick up this thread that we, uh, we had just uh, there, a propaganda. We'll also talk about journalism. More following the break. Did you know that people in healthy relationships have certain qualities in common? They manage their time. They are good listeners, and they put away their phones during a conversation. They show empathy for their partners. They're responsible with money, and they deal well with conflict. They know how to handle stress effectively and work with their partner as a team. These skills can make or break relationships. If you do not feel you have the tools to be successful in a relationship, you can learn. You can take a relationships class or go to a professional like a marriage and family therapist or a family finance counselor. This segment of Did You Know That has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians. Located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today we're getting a view of our presidential election from journalists and academics from Ukraine and Georgia and from a journalism professor here in the United States. You're welcome to join the conversation here with your comment to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And once again, we'll have our guests introduce themselves. I am Katerina Sirenyong-Dolgaryova. I'm from Ukraine. I'm assistant professor in the Parisian National University. And I'm here on the University Administration Support Program at a research office in USU as a fellow of IREX-sponsored program. I am Elada Gamrik-Lidze. I am a postdoc uh, scholar here at Utah State University, uh, the Department of Journalism and Communication. I am originally from Georgia, the country. 
and I've been in the United States since 2011. I uh, got my doctorate at Louisiana State University, worked there for a year, and then came here. Right. Well, I'm, I'm Kim Hickson. Uh, I'm the uh, department head of uh, journalism and communication here at uh, Utah State. Uh, I've been here for a few months. Uh, before that, I was at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. And uh, also in Wisconsin, I served in the uh, Wisconsin State Legislature for two terms. Let me talk about this word, the, the propaganda. That's a loaded word, of course, and you've characterized, uh, you know, the Russian state media as, as, as uh, disseminating propaganda. Um, what uh, do people in Ukraine and Georgia, would they, you know, the average person on the street, would they label it as such? Are they affected by this? I would say in Ukraine, this is um, this is not all the time, but a lot of people would still recognize that made up uh, news coverage, because uh, uh, this work is very uh, the work of anti uh, anti propaganda messages is very nicely done by Ukrainians, because we have the whole fake uh, anti anti fake uh, movement. Uh, in internet, we have sites which uh, all you know disclose this information because they what Russian media would do they would hire actors they would put that in the skin as it's uh, in the this war place or somewhere in Ukraine and they would do negative coverage about what is going on in the country. Of course, people who live in that pla- in, in in Ukraine and in the regions they cover they know the truth. They know what to compare, and that uh, actors uh, who were hired for this uh, for this coverage would appear in different news stories and we will have the same faces telling about killing people in Ukraine, killing children in Ukraine, kidnapping, you know, uh, all these kind of stories. Of course, uh, if you keep looking on that and if you keep having this information and uh, disclosure of this information, People still uh, question this. Uh, And uh, right now we have the big uh, media literacy movement in Ukraine. Uh, We adopted these media literacy courses in my university and in big universities in Ukraine. We try to uh, educate public this. This is what you have. And please think about what you see. And don't believe your eyes first. Please dig into the information and be sure this is true. So. Oh, the, uh, a lot of have you talked the same issues in uh, in Georgia the, the the role of journalism as we the idealistic role of journalism is to push back against propaganda to investigate uh, state uh, the state including state media uh, how are things going in Georgia well we have very poor state in terms of investigative journalism they are pockets that are mostly funded through the donor money. Uh, that work on it, and they mostly investigate internal stuff, not so much international. But but with war, I mean, it's so so interesting. We went through this stage back back in two thousand and eight with the previous government, and we went through the war ourselves, as you know, right? So and, and everything that that Katerina just said about Russian uh, faking news and making. Uh, up things it's true and especially in the country as small as georgia ukraine is 10 times bigger and especially in the country as small as georgia it's really it's really easy 
to know what out of this coverage is just um, made up and uh, blatant lies. and, and therefore, during the war, what we did, and it was a government initiative, uh, they basically solicited volunteers from the population who spoke multiple languages and could go online and actually provide um, provide their side of the story, Georgia's side of the story, supported with facts to fight against Russia's information world uh, in in the um, in the world, and our government would provide space, would provide internet connection, would provide equipment, sleeping accommodations, food uh, for these people to just come and be online twenty four seven and find any possible social media. Uh, source or network or forum or or even comment section under the stories to just write in the spoken languages of the countries that they would find this information uh, to provide um, true inf- uh, factual information what is really going on of course pushing our side of the story as well our government was constant despite of the situation it was very intense very it was basically open war right uh, the government members were available to all media outlets there who covered the war always uh, you name it they were always available and they spoke English so that you know they they would nothing would be lost in translation they did not speak georgian they spoke english directly to these media outlets uh well that 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 you know came and go you know unlike in ukraine our war lasted only basically two weeks five days of fighting and then you know while negotiations and everything it's it's not over these uh, territories are still occupied it can spark back again at any moment. It's the danger of it. There's creeping annexation of Georgian territories. They move this administrative border as they please uh, overnight. You can, you know, fall asleep in Georgia and wake up in a breakaway region of, I don't know, Ossetia, right? Uh, and your, your cow may be still in Georgia, but you will be on the other side of the border. That's how, how uh, it works now. But with a new government, we have, and since our new government has um, financial and political interests in Russia, this sentiment started to change, and they are trying to push, um, delicately push some pro-Russian uh, sentiments to the public through the media, and some media are working just to do that uh, it's hard because people remember and there are 300 plus thousand displaced throughout uh, starting with the 90s the first two wars in the 90s and this recent war in 2008 uh, but they are trying and you know if you repeat something often enough uh, it settles mm. you know it doesn't seem so bad anymore mm. so um I guess with time that might even succeed. But uh, 
since that's what's going on, since since, it, since, since the government is trying to sort of melt these eyes and, and uh, make people not see Russia as an enemy so much anymore, and the media are playing a role in it. So there's not so much investigation. There's not so much uh, drive to, you know, push... Uh, the true side of the story or factual side of the story from our side or, or just present our side of the story if you um, if you'd like uh, it, it's it's not it's not the priority anymore mm. uh, Russia ra- Russian Russian information war continues Russian information machine still works we sh- and, and we sort of start forgetting about it mm. can I add anything yes a bit? yes um, I just want to add this is uh, now, like, uh, Georgian war was in 2008, internet, social media were not so developed as it is now. What we observed recently in two recent years, how this war operates uh, in internet, this is terrible, how uh, widespread and everywhere this uh, war is. Uh, what Russians did uh, at the very beginning, they hired the internet trolls, They call it, uh, we call it, Real people uh, who would have, uh, as Elada said, food, uh, place to live, who would whose work would be only negative coverage of Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian uh, cr- crisis, and uh, that was everywhere on Facebook. And uh, to add, the uh, ru- one of the biggest Russian uh, social networks, Vkontakte, it's called. It's federally controlled. They would hire special people, internet trolls, who would go to every single page, to personal pages, would see the information, would seek for pro and control people, who would, uh, uh, they would even imprison Russian people who would be pro-Ukrainian, you know. That is serious. This is what is going on. A lot of people uh, who would, who would not uh, like to have that in their country. They immigrated to Ukraine, and they are in Ukraine right now because they can't go back. They would be in prison for their activity on social networks. That is supposed to be open source information. You know, it's it's not supposed to be controlled by anybody. This is my profile. I want to write there what I want. It's not the case in our in our countries. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that is uh, very concerning. Um, Kim, I, I wonder bring this to the United States. You know, hopefully we're not to the. And I don't think we are to the, the the point where you know the state is controlling the media, even social media, sticking their their hands in the the way we've heard described here. Um, but but I know that, you know there are people that are worried. Again, you know, talk about Trump. And I, I'm, I'm not talking much about Hillary Clinton. Um, she has her own problems, uh, but Trump is a is a pretty unique figure. Um, and we do have a a nominee for president from a major party who is openly and uncritically citing Infowars and Alex Jones and uh, the home of you know alien invasion and uh, and and you know uh, pretty wacko stuff including that you know 9/11 was an inside job and I, you know the list goes on and on Donald Trump is a major party nominee I, I can't believe I'm saying this is citing this this news source I wonder if you share worries and what do you think the effects of this or this is one off and Donald Trump goes away if he loses uh, or this has an effect perhaps in mainstreaming some of this 
Well, I, I think, um, you know, you bring up a very interesting point, and uh, that is, uh, goes back to what we've been talking about today, that th- th- there are so many um, uh, different ways in which we can get information um, today that uh, it, it, it really uh, uh, comes down to the consumer of that information being a smart uh, consumer and trying to decide, well, what should I believe and what should I not believe? And uh, I think that we, we, are, we are probably failing as consumers of information to make, those, uh, to make that distinction. Um, Trump, of course, uh, has, has cited uh, all these uh, different sources that, that are very questionable, as you mentioned. Uh, you remember in the, uh, the the second debate, and I believe is the first debate as well. He immediately said, "Oh, I, I, I won the debate. All the polls say that I won the debate." Well, of course, the polls that uh, that he was citing were uh, where, where people can go onto the computer and and answer a question: "Who do you think won the debate?" and uh, you know, people in politics will will tell their uh, supporters, "Hey, after the debate, go on to such and such a site and vote for Trump uh, mm-hmm. on, on the debate." So those are those are not scientific uh, by any means. They do not uh, represent uh, the population as a whole as a uh, uh, a legitimate uh, poll would do that. But I think for a, a lot of people who uh, are, are maybe not as knowledgeable as uh, uh, maybe they should be in today's world will we'll believe uh, just about anything. You know, it, 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 it's, uh, it's in the news, therefore it must be true. Hmm. And that goes back to this whole idea of, of the news media wanting to be credible, wanting to be seen as independent, wanting to be seen as unbiased which it which is our tradition uh, but that tradition is definitely getting away from us but I think still as as citizens we want to trust uh, the the media uh, because where else do we where else do we get our information hmm. You're listening to Access U Time, Tom Williams, and we've uh, formed a panel of uh, journalists and academics from Ukraine, Georgia, and from here in the United States. And we're getting a view from our presidential election uh, from the outside and the inside. You can join the conversation here at upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. Utah Public Radio would like to congratulate Angela Pulley Hudson and James M. Aiton, who are recipients of the Evans Biography Awards. Hudson was rewarded for her work on Real Native Genius, how an ex-slave and a white Mormon became famous Indians, while Aiton was rewarded for his photography book, The Art and Times of Jimmy Jones, Landscape Artist of the Canyon Country. Kudos from Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access U Time, Tom Williams. We're getting a view of this year's presidential election from the outside and the inside. We're talking with journalists and academics from Ukraine, Georgia, and the United States. And once again, we'll have our panelists introduce themselves. 
I am Katerina Serenyong-Dolgarova. I'm from Ukraine. I'm assistant professor in the Parisian National University. And I'm here on the University Administration Support Program at a research office in USU as a fellow of IREX-sponsored program. I am Elada Gamrik-Lidze. I am a postdoc uh, scholar here at Utah State University, uh, the Department of Journalism and Communication. I am originally from Georgia, the country, and I've been in the United States since 2011. I uh, got my doctorate at Louisiana State University, worked there for a year, and then came here. Right. Well, I'm, I'm Kim you? Hickson. Uh, I'm the uh, department head of uh, journalism and communication here at uh, Utah State. Uh, I've been here for a few months. Uh, before that, I was at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. And uh, also in Wisconsin, I served in the uh, Wisconsin State Legislature for two terms. We're coming down to the end of our time, and I want to, at a final topic, talk about uh, the integrity of our election. Um, Mr. Trump has, has been claiming that uh, preemptively that uh, our vote's going to be rigged. Um, we've had reports that, uh, of course, hacking of Hillary Clinton's emails, and that it looks like that was the Russians. Uh, and that the worries that they may or another government might try to hack our voting uh, systems. Um, so uh, starting with Katerina, I wonder if you've had issues with this in uh, in Ukraine, and uh, what would, what would you say to to these claims and these worries in the U.S. Well, I would definitely worry about that because um, I would really believe that it can it's possible to happen. Uh, Ukraine doesn't have that highly electronically, you know, developed system, uh, government system. We are still working on our e-governance. So it's not that easy to hack, you know, because we still have a lot of in you know, hard copies. Uh, but uh, since U.S. is so well, uh, is like U.S. Uh, electronic governments is still is so well established, and everything is online, and you can vote online, and uh, votes counts online. Everything is uh, connected. So of course there is a huge worry about hacking. And uh, if I would be a citizen of U.S., I would worry about that because you need to put a lot of efforts to uh, on the safety of that you know that system to protect it because it's possible and it's it is a uh, political war in the world between two huge countries and every means is good you know mm. to 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 fight that mm. so of course there is a huge issue and i would worry about that mm. uh, let me talk let me afraid uh, preface this, Ilada, I know a little <coughs> bit, emphasis on a little bit, uh, of the history of Georgia, mm-hmm. because I heard a recent BBC special. Um, so, you know, I'm more educated than maybe the, the, the next guy over, but much less educated than, than many people. Um, and this uh, special was all about, can a, a country be reformed? Can a political system be reformed? They held up as a positive example, President Saakashvili. Um, and the the impetus, according to this special, for for the election of Sakasvili was the widespread perception that the previous vote had been had been rigged. And it has been. And, and it, it had been. There's been. proof. There's proof. Yes. Yeah. And uh, proof from observers, international observers, that that um, elections had been rigged. And uh, I don't know if you know it, but the first. Uh, 
election when Saakashvili was elected president, he was elected with a landsliding, 96%. And over 60% of the country voted in that election. So it was a huge win. And it, I think that was the most honest election that we've had since mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. Uh, basically. Uh, I'm sure uh, if I don't vote, because I, it's very hard for me to get to our embassy or consulate in, in D.C. or New York to vote, um, or to get, you know, you have to go through all, all sorts of bureaucratic stuff to call them, to send the ballot and then the mail, ballot back. Uh, and I admit being bad citizens, I'm lazy to do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure my vote is used mm-hmm. in, in the election if I don't, if I don't go and vote myself. Oh, you, you think your name is on a, on a ballot somewhere? Yes. Even if you didn't vote? Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. I am somewhere voting for someone I don't even, you know. Mm-hmm maybe know or intend to vote for, or even for whom I intend to vote for, for that matter. But it, do, it, it goes independent of me. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it, so elections are improving. They are improving. And, and there is a you know, uh, sustainable record of it. But there are still problems. Mm. Uh, reforms are possible. Uh, I think we, we got so many... <laughs> one and the same questions coming from so many representatives of former Soviet countries. How did you manage to reform your police system that they don't take money anymore? You couldn't bribe a policeman uh, uh, back then uh, in Georgia. And my answer to that would be, because nobody could do it. Nobody managed, no other former Soviet Union country managed to do that. Uh, and my answer was that when where there is political will, uh, reforms are and possible. It, and if you get ninety six percent of the vote, you have a big mandate. I guess. Well, you mm-hmm. do have a huge yeah. mandate, mm-hmm. although it fell radically throughout years. But there was a political will. Mm-hmm. There was a direct, uh, direct order basically from the top that we have to have a system free of corruption at least on on the lower levels of and and make it uh, corruption free for 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 the people mm. uh and and it it happened it happened in in the police it happened in any other public service you could uh you couldn't uh and and again it's from personal experience really couldn't uh buy an apartment, for example, without having to bribe someone uh, before Saakashvili government came in. And and after, uh, you could buy an apartment in 15 minutes Mm. without having to bribe anyone at all. Or paying any, uh, uh, jumping through any extra hoops or paying any extra money. Uh, Coincidentally enough, um, Saakashvili has ended up in Ukraine. Yes. What's he, he doing is. now? He's the governor of one of the regions, actually one of the closest to Crimea, which was annexed two years, three years ago already. Yeah, so he is uh, doing a good job there, but um, I think he's he wants to come back to Georgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's his ultimate Not goal. <laughs> the party didn't win the parliament's oh. majority, so mm. yeah. okay. he'll have to wait for he'll, it. He'll have to wait. So our government uh, is reforming itself too. Uh, one of their reforms was that uh, the highest uh, ministry officials, government officials, would be the top-ranked politicians in the world. 
in fact, we have a lot of Georgians coming to work in Ukraine. Ukraine, a lot of Americans with Ukrainian roots uh, from Ukrainian diaspora, they are coming back to Ukraine. They obtain Ukrainian citizenship and they work to improve the country. I think this is a positive reform because uh, a lot of interesting uh, experience is coming to the country and um, the forums are being uh, discussed all over the country. So I hope that uh, out of these modern people and uh, world-recognized uh, re- uh, people, uh, we would improve the system which would fight against anybody and establish a truly independent and democratic country of Ukraine. Hmm. Final question to uh, Kim, um, and back to the election, U.S. election. Um, in many ways, this has been so extraordinary, an election. Uh, and the end of it might be so. Um, we're Based on comments Mr. Trump is making, we're not entirely sure he will concede if he loses. I wonder what uh, what the role of the media, do you think, is will be in that. I mean, we'll all have a part to play, right? And, and Mr. Trump and, and Mrs. Clinton have a part to play in that, no matter who wins or loses. Um, but but I wonder what the media, what, what would the media's role there be? I, th- I think that the, the media uh, needs to be uh, extremely responsible in the way that they uh, report the, uh, the results. Uh, you remember, if you go back to uh, the 2000 election with uh, Vice President Gore against uh, uh, George Bush and uh, how early on uh, the media said that Florida was in the, the Gore camp and uh, then it turned out, well, it looked like it's uh, it's more going to go for Bush. Uh, I, I just hope there's not those kinds of questions uh, that uh, the media uh, will bring forth. Uh, and I know they like to, to make their projections and and all that, uh, but in our environment today, um, I, f- I feel like that there is a, uh, a portion of our electorate uh, that is certainly going to question the results of the election. Uh, I think that uh, Mr. Trump is uh, certainly encouraging that kind of thought. And, and, and really, you know, I, I believe that if, if we cannot trust our elections, we are in serious trouble as a nation. Uh, our uh, representative democracy is, is, is based on the fact that, that we have uh, truthful elections that, that we can uh, believe in. And, um, you know, we, we've heard a lot about voter fraud recently, uh, that uh, it seems that one party brings up a lot more than the other party. And, uh, of course, when we look at uh, investigations of this, we just find out it's, it's, a, it's an extremely, extremely small problem, almost non-existent. Uh, but certainly, as, as was mentioned earlier today, when you start having uh, uh, ballots and, and the possibility of, of uh, someone hacking into electoral systems, uh, I think that is dangerous. Uh, I, I like the fact that for, for most of uh, where we vote, we do have some sort of a paper trail uh, behind it. Uh, but 
I, I think uh, that uh, we we have a, a, a bit of a reason just to, to worry a little bit about possible hacking somewhere. But for the most part, I think we, we have to, to believe in our elections and we have to accept the, the outcome no matter what it is. Can I add uh, yes, certainly. Uh, um, in, in terms of uh, hacking, uh, I would agree with Katerina here uh, because it's uh, – and, and say that it's, it's a serious uh, issue, and it's very, very possible issue. Uh, I, I had a paper published on digital divide and cy- cybersecurity because, you know, we also had a cyber war going in parallel with the ground war in 2008, and... Um, we our all our websites, government websites, bank websites, uh, parliament websites, um, key websites, and then it like like Katerina said, we're, the infrastructure was not that developed back then, and even now not as developed as here, and not so dependent on the network. Uh, but they were all hacked. They were defaced, hacked, or overloaded, uh, so that people couldn't access it or uh, uh, other information was posted instead of the original one. And it was going on. It's very hard to track. There is, there is agreement that it was coming from Russia, but there is no proof. And it's very, very, very hard to prove it. And it's very, very, very hard to track. It's very, they are very highly skilled. And they, again, those are allegations that have good um, reasons behind them, but again, hard to prove that they are sponsored by the Russian government. Mm -hmm. And so this particular part, I would take really seriously because they are able to do it. Hmm. We will uh, leave it there. We're out of of time. Uh, Appreciate uh, each of you coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you very much. Thanks for listening today. We talked with journalists and academics from Ukraine, Georgia, and here in the United States about uh, our presidential elections and uh, journalism. And there's more on our website. Thanks for listening. A service of the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Utah State University, this is Utah Public Radio. Heard statewide on KUSR, Logan, KUSK, Vernal, KUSL, Richfield, KUST, Moab, KCEU, Price, and KUSU-FM, Logan.